If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. Today, we welcome back one of our favorite guests, the Metal Cowboy, the one, the only, Ron Keel. Cruising down the motorway, got my girl by my side. We both a little anxious. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, LC, and I'm joined, as always, with Keelaholic Baco. How are you, sir? I'm addicted to Keelahol. Imagine yes, being in being like an AA meeting and like you get up there and it's like, yeah, I, 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 I listen to too much Keel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so with that said, what's Ron up to this week? <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been one it's been one week without the right to rock. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, well, we we are happy to welcome back the Metal Cowboy for the fourth time uh, to the podcast. Um, Ron Keel, of course, he uh, he joined me to talk about his new record, South by South Dakota, and of course, you know, I think it's pretty much established that I've developed a bit of a friendship with Ron um, over the course of getting to know him through the show. And this is a pretty natural conversation. And unlike most of the time, we edit like the beginnings and ends, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. To kind of make it like a, a smooth intro. There's like some off uh, off mic conversation, so to speak. Uh, I didn't do that this time. You literally are hearing from the moment I press record till the moment I hit stop. There's some songs spliced in, but other than that, it is it just rolled. And it was a, it was a fun, smooth conversation. But, you know, Ron knows how to talk. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think that was a wise decision because this is his fourth time on the show, uh, uh, tying Michael Sweet for that record. Correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. and and uh, we think that as a li- as listeners, if you're going to listen to a fourth interview with Keel, you're in it for the long haul, baby. Right, <laughs> right on. <laughs> and it's a good one. Yeah. Can I can I just kind of hit on things that I enjoyed? A little preview for those. That yeah. Are, uh... what, what, what do you think are the standout parts? Yeah. Well, first off, um, you know, you guys have a little current event talk with uh, COVID, and I'll just say it like this: his whole talk is better than pretty much any of our quote leaders, be it uh, local or otherwise. It, it, it's odd that a a rock star, <laughs> uh, you know, can can summarize things in 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 and put together a sentence in a coherent and, and and easy to understand and and just inspiring manner. I have to say. Yeah. 
that that part was great. Um, I also think it's it was super interesting about the whole Australian tour debacle that he kind of uh, you know fought through and fought like a band uh, to, <laughs> to, to do. Um, that's that's well like said. That. Yeah, and also the this his South by South Dakota covers album of you know Southern rock. I, I, I'm definitely interested in. And checking out, um, it was just a it's a fun overall conversation. I mean, it it it, it really, you know, and all truth is, it makes me think what is going to happen with rock pretty much in the next year, kind of from this conversation of of bands and how they make their money and, and the struggles and, and and things like that. So it's it's just an interesting conversation. Uh, you know, I, one thing I just thought of is that like a lot of rock bands are DIY at this point. It might be uh, a, a good time for for to be creative anyway. Um, but oh, that's uh, true. That part too. Being a shut-in, we should, we should be getting some creativity from those that are creative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you happen to see the track listing for South by South Dakota? Um, I, I only know some of them that are out there. Like I, I love the fact that they cover that uh, Red, White, and Blue by Skinnerd because it's kind of a rare track, or not as well. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. What's that smell? It's from the yeah, exactly. It's it's from the newer lineup. You know, so right. it's probably 10, 15 years old at this point, if not older. Yep. yep. But uh, yeah, it definitely not something that it's not a staple on uh, classic rock radio. No, yeah, but no, it's 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 it's. I'm curious to hear it just because of your description of how they did some of those shows, like in wherever the hell they were in Minnesota and stuff. It was kind of like a southern rock show with, yeah. with a variety and stuff like that. And and as you know, I've, 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 your interviews with Ron. Uh, have been a gateway drug for me in getting into his music and, and others I know too from from friends of mine that have, have been uh, turned on to his music uh, later in his career. So yeah, you know, and I, I think he's really kind of hit his stride with the southern rock sound. He's kind of been leaning that way since the early '90s, but uh, the, the last couple records he's done um, just seem to be right where he needs to be. So. Yeah, and if you want to learn more information about this, make sure make sure you go to <laughs> patreon.com slash Ron Keel. Yeah. <laughs> the self-promotion machine that is he. He does have one of the best Patreon pages, and he's the only one that I pay for. But uh, it, it's not that expensive, but he does have tons of content. If you're a diehard fan, this is what you want. It's, it, he's active on it constantly, weekly, new shit. Um, I mean, he's releasing chapters of his book that he read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, by the way, this, this podcast, not sure, we already automatically debited you $5 to listen to this, this, yeah. this episode. This is part of our Patreon. Yeah. The other thing that really impressed me, too, is that on your fourth interview, you figured out how to work out the acoustics of the hot tub. Oh, yeah. Sounds excellent. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, he, he picks up the phone sitting in the hot tub. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. I love it. <laughs> anyway, I think people are going to dig it. Yeah, man. So let's get to it. Why don't you throw? Why don't you actually do some promotion for the man for once before you get into this? <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this interview, the album South by South Dakota is available everywhere. Uh, but you you probably want to go right to ronkeel.com and buy it directly from there. But yeah, it's out on high volume music, uh, and I've heard it, and you're, you're going to like it. I'm enjoying my isolation vacation in the hot tub with some of my uh, deluxe drink holder party floaties with uh, the little floating 
Loading mm. cocktails in the hot tub, courtesy of your lovely wife, Amy. So uh, I am making the most of this opportunity. Uh, I'm going to have coffee in the hot tub today, if that's all right. <laughs> That'll be just fine, man. That'll be just fine. Yeah, about... F- I'm going to go ahead and turn the bubbles off, though, so you can maybe <laughs> hear me a little better. I uh, About five hours after we set this up, I got got the news that I'd be going back to work. So I was like, well, I have one thing. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Just do it in the office. So I have a little oh, portable cool. recorder. So, so you are back to work today. Yeah, it's going to be limited hours, but, uh, you know... Um, Whatever it's it's going to be a slow process getting everything back. I think most people are aware of that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a slow process for all of us, no matter what business or industry that we're in. Yeah, I just hope that you know slow is okay, but you know full stop is not. And you know who knows when the next concerts are going to be. I talk to a lot of people in our industry. I know you do as well. We're all, you know, you ask 20 people, you're going to get 20 different answers. (laughs) And whether it's fans or booking agents or managers or venue owners or talent buyers or casinos or whatever, nobody really knows, which, you know, it, it makes it interesting. But, you know, we're all hoping for the best. Absolutely. And yeah, I think the only honest answer for it is that we don't really know, you know, I mean, it's yeah. spec- I think, and I think for the most pe- part, people are being honest. They're speculating, you know, but I don't know. It don't look good. I don't know. I think everybody's in denial, man. I, I, I haven't had any, well, I haven't had any gigs canceled yet. Mm. Uh, the Canadian tour, they want to quote postpone and, uh, but we've got a show, gosh, what, in May, May 22nd, a huge headline gig at a, an outdoor bike event in Bloomfield, Ohio. And they, they are not pulling the plug. They are, quote, still selling tickets. Now, I don't know how many tickets they're selling, but they haven't canceled the gig yet. The next night, we're in Detroit. And that venue is hoping that our show will be the welcome back. You know, the doors are open again kind of kind of thing. So that's uh, May 23rd, hmm. and uh, I'm, you know, I'm hoping for the best. Like everyone else, all the fans seem to say they're unanimous. They're all as soon as the, soon as the doors open, I'll be there. I'll be I'll be first in line. I'll be right up front in the front row. And, you know, <laughs> the fans seem to be, you know, extremely courageous and uh, confident that you know as soon as they can get get to a concert, they're going. But you know, I. I don't know if everybody feels the same stuff that I feel on those monthly trips. Now it's a monthly trip to town Mm -hmm. and it's different. You know, you you see everybody wearing masks and you're kind of wondering what's in the air. What am I breathing? And, and I'm not, I, I'm absolutely fearless. I have a death wish, so I don't care, man. You bring it on. Whether it's <laughs> you know, a plane crash or a, a pandemic, I don't know. I don't want to die like a rock star. Right so I don't care. You know, I don't want to bring it home to Renee or anything, but, you know, I'm not fearful in, in any way. But I find myself thinking and feeling that on the, the monthly trip out to stock up on a few, you know, just produce and things. Because mm-hmm. we're well stocked here. We started... We started prepping when Obama got elected, so yeah, I yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, the day he was elected, I go, oh, oh boy, shit, man, we're in big trouble here. So I, I invested literally you know, a lot of <laughs> time, energy, and money so that when this day came, 
I'd be ready. Uh, I do have enough whiskey and guitar strings to get me through just about any type of Armageddon scenario. So okay. I think I'll be all right. But man, I just hope that the industry does because this is this is my business. This is my mm-hmm. industry, and the guys in my band. This is how they make their living. I've got a, you know, I've got the radio show and the podcast and the residual royalties and the Patreon and, and all the other stuff that I do. I can make a good living from home, and honestly, I don't make a whole lot of money on the shows. Yeah, uh, I make sure I pay my crew and my band and our truck and our RV and you know all that stuff. But I don't make a whole lot of money on the shows. I do them because I love it and I want to take care of my guys. I want my guys and the guys in my band to be making a living. So. Um, I'm okay at home working from home. I, I, I still get to play and sing and uh, entertain people online, but I feel for the guys in the band because with every step forward now with the Canadian tour postponed, that that was a big letdown. You know, I had to tell my guys, you know, that, and it's probably, there's probably more of that uh, in the, the near future. Uh, we've got dates in May, June, July, mm-hmm. August, and, are they going to happen? Like you said, nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, that seems a little soon, but I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm not the person to answer that. Um, I, I agree. I mean, when are you going to feel confident? Are you ever going to feel confident going back into a big crowd? Now, sure. Jason, I, Baco, I've lived through a lot of life-changing days in my existence. And I remember when John F. Kennedy was shot. And that was one dude. And he was the president. It was just one dude. And it was a couple of bullets. And nothing has been the same since. Mm-hmm. That day changed everything, man. And, you know, we went through the AIDS uh, epidemic in the 80s. And that changed everything. And I, I, I'm pretty vocal about this in multiple interviews about citing that AIDS epidemic as one of the huge downfalls of 80s hard rock and metal. Mm-hmm. Because our culture back in the 80s, man, it was built on rock and roll all night and party every day. It was <laughs> it was all about excess and decadence and, you know, sex and sex and more sex. And all of a sudden that day when we realized, man, shit, sex can kill you. It changed. And it changed that entire culture. And I do believe that the AIDS epidemic was a, a huge factor in the downfall of 80s metal and hard rock culture and music. Of course, the songs are great and the musicians are great and we, some of us have survived and that music is, is now and always will be a viable art form. But it, it certainly impacted us when the AIDS epidemic struck. 9-11, that was one day and nothing has been the same since and it never will be. It's a game changer. It's a world changer. Mm-hmm. Is this pandemic on that same scale? I got to say yes, because definitely, you know, JFK was one dude, a couple bullets. Nine Eleven was you know, a couple of towers, you know, a few thousand people. And I'm not making light of those. No, no, things. I, those I don't think huge. anybody would think that. No, but but it, it, this is everybody on the planet affected, from the the richest, most successful uh, business moguls and billionaires on down to the homeless guy on the corner and everybody in between everybody is affected by this and it's going to leave a mark what kind of mark it leaves now we're strong we're resilient we're you know we're you know we're we're going to get back to living our lives but 
Yeah, I, don't, I didn't mean to start the interview with the whole diatribe about, <laughs> but I know that it, it's something that ready I've go, been man. talking about. I've been talking about in my interviews because I'm interviewing rock stars like Jeff Keats mm-hmm. and Tesla on my show this week, and uh, Mike Tramp last week, and all the. And of course, it's got to come up in the conversation. How are you handling this? They want to promote their new record. I want to promote my new record on your show as well. But it's an important topic, and you can't just gloss over it. And start just pretend that it's not there. I've done a couple of interviews now to promote the new Ron Keel Band album, South by South Dakota. And this is the first time, and you didn't ask. I just started talking. But <laughs> nobody's asked about it. They're just asking about the it new was, album. Yeah, it's and, top of my list, man. You know, they're, they're, they're not asking. This is the first chance I've had to express myself because I haven't been asked that in any music-related interviews this past week since we've started the promo machine, you know, rolling and I'm promoting the new album and talking about South by South Dakota and Ron Keel band. And nobody's asked about the situation. Like they're like, it doesn't exist. Like we're mm-hmm. just in denial. And this is my first chance to express myself. So I, I apologize and appreciate the platform. No, uh, absolutely. You're very eloquent. And it was actually, I was going to ask you how your Easter went. And then I was going to say, talking to this because it's affecting, you know, your career, your livelihood. You have a firsthand view of it that a lot of people don't. So I, I think it's good that you're asking the people on your show and thanks for sharing all that. You know, I mean, absolutely. I, I'm actually worried about some of the independent clubs. You know what I mean? I'm seeing these stories about Ticketmaster, you know, being shady as fuck as always, but yep. you know, there's these small clubs that might have to shut down for a year. If this is bad, if you look at the worst case scenario, and you know that that's it. How do they come well, back? It depends. Depends on what you refer to as small. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got we've got, and I play all of them on every possible level. The small clubs. Well, one that we both know. See. Let's use this as an example. That place in. Um, Oh, shoot. Now I can't remember the name of it, of course. It's in Denver. Um, I know you played there one time, at least. Uh, the venue. The venue, yes. Um, that, now, that, that's be- not a small club. That's a three to 500-seat mid-sized venue with national But acts. it's privately owned, right? That's kind of the size I'm looking at. There's a couple of them here in the Twin Cities that if they don't have any shows or if – because unless they're like a restaurant that can open up and survive that way, you know, there really is that type of venue. Absolutely. That's the venue that from – and I don't know. I'm no expert, but I just get – input and information from from my contacts and people in the business and a lot of people are fearful for those quote Mm -hmm. mid-sized venues the three to five hundred seaters where you can get an la guns or quiet riot or a ron keel band uh not the the small this little small neighborhood bars that'll hold a hundred people and i can set my acoustic guitar up and you know i can set up in the corner and sing and play and drink and party and make you know five hundred to a thousand dollars a night I think some of those are going to be okay. Those yeah, are the neighborhood too. hangs. Uh, and, uh, but those mid-sized venues, like the one you mentioned we played it in, in Denver last year, the venue, it's called the venue. Yeah. What a great name for a venue. <laughs> uh, but those kind of places, I think, uh, at least from, from my indication, everybody is fearful that they will not survive this. Now, the big stadium tour, the arena shows, um I don't know, but I've got a feeling that uh, it's going to be the, the the middle class, so to speak, that yep. will suffer that middle that middle ground of of mid sized venues and theaters, and uh, perhaps the deals are going to have to change, and that that really affects us from a, from a, a logistical standpoint. You've got to have a guarantee. You can't go mm-hmm. in 
to a, a play who's going to play for the door <laughs> I mean, imagine the first gig <laughs> after all this all this shit's over with and we do a, a door deal okay we'll play for 75 percent of the gate and we we go to the gig and it cost me you know what well, it cost me about three grand to do yeah. a gig because just to get all the guys from point a to point yeah, b in yeah. the truck and the hotels and you know all that and everybody taking you know everybody taking the time and you know rehearsal and gear and supplies and crew and you know you get to the gig and there's nobody there. <laughs> I don't know. If we're playing for the door, if we're playing for a guarantee, at least because we don't know. I mean, I've got fans everywhere. I've got some fans everywhere. But you saw us last year at, mm-hmm. at a, a big, high-paying, was it a state fair or county fair? Redwood Falls County Fair. Yeah. When I, I met you and, and Amy at the at the fair, and you guys came out to the gig. It was a great show, big production. And nobody, you guys were the only ones there. Uh, <laughs> well, I loved we it. Had, like, 40 people. But, you know uh, the, you, you know what the downside of that, Ron? The downside of that is that, like, I wasn't drinking that night, so I didn't really get to benefit by, like, being able to go get a beer and come right back to the front of the stage. That's too bad, man. Yeah. I feel for you. I, I, was, I was drinking your share that night. All right but, on. You know, that... That's that kind of gig. I mean, it's not our job to draw people to the, the county fair. Oh, no, no. The county the fairs, county- they just kind of book entertainment to have it there throughout the week. It's a different kind of setup. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm, you know, we get a guarantee and that uh, it's not it's, it's not contingent upon Keelaholics to flood the gates. And, well, especially and, in you know, that part of Minnesota, of you're deep in south, you know, west Minnesota. You know, they're, they're, it's not exactly a hotbed of hard rock or even like southern kind of rock. You know, it's it is. They were booking you more to have entertainment there. And so the, the, the draw at the gate was never probably factored into their budget at all. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm appreciative of those opportunities. They call them mm-hmm. soft ticket events where, where it's a bike event or a truck show or a county fair or a state fair. It has a built-in draw, and we can get that guarantee, and it's up to them to draw the people in. And when we get on stage, that's why that night that you saw us, we were playing all of the songs from the South by South Dakota mm-hmm. album and doing our Southern Rock, Biker, uh, County Fair kind of mm-hmm. gig. In fact, I don't think we even played any Keel songs that night, which I, I apologize for. It was an that's oversight right. on my part, but I that's, loved that's it. what I- we do. I mean, I was, I'm such a huge fan of the, the um, Fight Like a Band record. There was a ton of that on it. But, no, I was entertained all night. You guys did a full show. I think you played, like, a little over two hours, if I remember right. But it, yeah, was, it was amazing. We, 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 and it was hot as fuck. Two-hour solid, two, two hours and 15 minutes. So that's, that's a good gig for us. And yeah. I, I like that. You know, you give me a 60, 75, 90-minute show, and I'm just getting warmed up. I like that, that long haul. And uh, we've got enough material and enough energy. To, to fill that that gap, and um, I tell you, I, I'm interviewing you now for yeah. your podcast. Mm. How much of South by South Dakota, the new album from Ron Keel Band, have you actually heard? Uh, let me look down the trick. Not much of it. Um, just the stuff you've put out so far. Um, did you re-record Homesick? Because I know you had that out a couple years ago. Um, we remixed it. There's a new mix of Homesick. Okay, cool. That original recording is is it. I don't know how. What I would do if I was going to recut okay. it, man, it, it's just exactly how I, how I, how I always envisioned that song.
we did not recut that. Ghost Riders is on the the album, which was our debut single back in 2015, mm-hmm. 2016, 2016, when we were the Badlands House Band, hit produced by Henry Paul from the Outlaws, and just an epic uh, version of that Outlaws classic, Ghost Riders in the Sky. So those two songs had never appeared on an album before, but they're certainly a part of our catalog and a part of our history and uh, certainly a part of the Southern Rock songbook and and had to be included on this album. In addition to some live tracks, there's a a live version of our Credence medley, the CCR, uh, what is it, Fortunate Son and uh, Bad Moon Rising, and uh, there's one more. This is a three-song medley that we do live, uh, 10 or 12 minutes long. But it was actually recorded live at our very first gig, so I, I thought that would be a perfect fit, even though I don't think Credence is lumped into that Southern rock category. But it to fits. me, they were Southern before the Almond Brothers. Man, I mean, that's that's Southern rock as far as I'm concerned. And the Eagles, too. We don't have any Eagles songs on this record. Maybe next time. But to me, the Eagles are, if they if they weren't from California, mm-hmm. if the Eagles were from, from Alabama, they'd be Southern rock. It's just a matter of uh, location, geography, so to speak, on the map. And some of these other acts that uh, we also have a, a Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings version, uh, our version of Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys, which has kind of become uh, one of my country Southern rock signature tunes because I am the metal cowboy after all. So <laughs> the message is, Bobs, don't let your kids grow up to be like me. And so that, that's why that was included on the new South by South Dakota album as well. And um, uh, the... Uh excellent cover with the duet with Jasmine Kane that don't misunderstand me. Um, uh, I'm not a huge uh, fan of um, strictly cover kind of stuff, but I, I really, I think this, this cover might be, I might like it better than the, uh, is it Rossington Collins? Yeah. Um, I haven't heard their version in years though, so maybe I should shut my mouth a little bit there, but I thought it was great is all I'm getting at. Well, I love duets. You know, I just love, I, whether it's a male partner or a female partner, uh, I've had some some classic duets throughout my career with Paul Shortino. I've done several. My my good friend Paul Shortino mm-hmm. from Rough Cut, Quiet Riot. Uh, he and I have done a couple of duets that I'm extremely proud of. And well, there's one on um, uh, the Final Frontier. Who's that? Uh, that is Michael DeBar. The Michael from, DeBar. Uh, there we go. From Silverhead, and uh, he was the bad guy in the MacGyver TV show. Yeah. He was the 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 villain. Uh, actually, had a very successful acting career, but. Uh, his um, his big was it sixties or seventies career was with Silverhead, and also he was with uh, Power Station. He took over when Robert mm-hmm. Palmer bailed and did the Power Station tour. And he's a friend of Gene Simmons, of course. And Gene invited him down to the studio, and we just put him in front of the microphone, and, and uh, that uh, that happened. And everybody, nobody really knows those screams on Raised on Rock. They all think it's me, so I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> that, guy, man, that guy <laughs> when he hits those notes, it, it is similar to you, so I get it. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I and, knew. And Dwayne Miller, the drummer from Keel, always had to do those live. He had to he had to do the Michael DeBar part live. He's a great singer as well. But the, back to the duet with Jasmine Kane on South by South Dakota. That is a that's a, a big part of Southern rock history when the Leonard Skinner plane crash happened. And they were done. And then the Rossington Collins Band united Mm -hmm. or reunited the survivors of the plane crash. 
with Gary Rosens and Alan Collins and, and, and the other members of the band. And Dale, uh, Gary's wife, sang the, the female part on that duet. That, that's a big part of Southern rock history. Mm-hmm. And it, it was an obvious choice for a duet. And who do I get to sing it? Um, that was a, that was a big question for me because obviously you got to have the female voice in there, and you know I'm a big fan of of female singers and musicians. Obviously, my history with Lita Ford is is well documented. We've sung together and done a lot of stuff together and shows and uh, interviews. And uh, Joan Jett played on the Final Frontier album. I co-wrote a song for Vixen, uh, Rev It Up, and obviously recently Janet Gardner from Vixen and I toured Australia together. Uh, we were able to sing the Rev It Up duet on stage. So I, 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 I really like the duet thing. I also had a great duet on my country album, uh, Western Country, back in 95 with Vicki Ray Jordan. So who do I get to sing this thing? And, you know, Doro's a friend of mine, hmm. and I think she's amazing. She's oh, a yeah. great singer, a great spirit. And she, she, she and I have talked about you know, doing a duet together. Uh, or singing together and sort collaborating in some shape or form for years. And I thought, man, this is Southern rock. Now, I've got to stay true to the, <laughs> it to might the be nature a weird of fit. the song. She can still I, bring it, it but that would be odd. Doro's a metal, she's the, the metal queen. Mm-hmm. And to have her on this, but, but uh, so I, I, I invited Jasmine Kane, who she and I have been friends for, for years now as well. And we do a lot of shows together. She is the, now, she's like the female equivalent in terms of that fearless, ballsy, hit the road and go out to any county fair, biker event, and get on stage, throw the gear up, and just kick ass. What a great talent, super singer, superhuman being, and musician, songwriter, all that. And we've done enough shows together now to where we've developed a friendship. And I thought she's perfect. I mean, she's, she is a South Dakota native. She was born in Sturgis at mm. the bike rally. I mean, conceived uh, as well. It, it doesn't get more <laughs> South Dakota than Jasmine Kane, and to have a duet with Jasmine Kane on on the South by South Dakota album is a perfect fit. And I'm really proud of of how it came out, and uh, certainly would love to to do some more shows with her. I hope that's in the cards. We planned on hopefully releasing "Don't Misunderstand Me" as the second single from South by South Dakota later this year. We'll see how that goes, and if there's even going to be a Sturgis rally this year, can mm. you imagine? I mean, I, I, it's already bad enough they've canceled Major League Baseball at, at the yeah, NBA playoffs, and who knows what's going to happen with the NFL? Man, if they cancel Sturgis, wow! I mean, and you can't postpone that till December, man. The no. weather in South Dakota does not uh, does not permit that. So, gosh, we're just hoping that Sturgis happens, and that's in August. That's uh, obviously a big a big week for us every year. We go out there and we play and we party and you know those are our people and we're their band. So we're hoping that uh, the the event will still happen. That, that the buyers and the promoters don't know we're not booked because nobody's booking anything. Jason, oh, Baco, yeah. uh, can I call you Jason on yeah, the show? Either way, yeah. But <laughs> everybody knows. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not a. It's not a. I'm not trying to hide my identity. It's just what I've been called since high school. So, all right. I didn't want. I didn't want to blow your cover. Or anything. <laughs> are we recording? We are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, you wanted me to start it when we were. I wasn't sure if we were starting. Uh, uh, let me know when you're ready to start the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Welcome to the program, Ron Keel, the Metal Cowboy. <laughs> 
Uh, hey, you know, you mentioned Australia. I wanted to talk to you a little bit on that because there was some, you know, obviously, I don't know, let's just call it news as far as how it went down. And great, you, great you, topic. You, yes, you made it down there. And you actually were able to to do a lot of gigs, and you actually spent. You know, we're, we're friends on Facebook, so I got to see you kind of just post a lot of the stuff you did, almost like just vacationing afterwards. But give me a what, what all happened with that? I know it was basically a big festival that a lot of artists started dropping out. Um, what do you? What can you tell us about that? And, and like, how it ended up that you didn't drop out at all? I think I can tell you just about anything. Okay. From, you know, anything you want to know, I can run the whole damn thing down. And why would I drop out? They're paying me a shit ton of money to to wipe Australia off my bucket list and go over there and do shows and play for fans. They mm-hmm. treated me like gold. Now, I, I, I don't back down from a challenge very easily, Baco. <laughs> um, the fact is, there were, well, first of all, the, the promoters are fantastic people, and they're just big rock fans. They did bite off more than they could chew okay. by having some of these, I mean, they had a huge array of really expensive bands and the logistics behind that, not, not just paying firehouse or X, Y, Z or crazy licks or, you know, not just the price or Ron Keel, because literally I doubled my price and I got paid <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the logistics involved with plane flights and visas and yeah. hotels and ground transport, not just for one gig, it wasn't just a three-day festival. It was a three-day festival and a bunch of what they called sideshows, where the artists would do club dates mm-hmm. leading up to the festival, and then other artists would do club dates after the festival. So it is a huge operation. And there were some red flags early on. For me, first of all, I got my deposit, which is, you know, I wouldn't get on the plane without one. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I do know, I do know that the other bands got their deposits as well, and they didn't get on the plane. Okay. They pocketed that money, and that's their business. I don't want to get in anybody else's business, but you know, I got my deposit, which, like I said, I jacked my price up anyway, so even if I didn't <laughs> get paid the balance, I'm okay. Right. Uh, and I went over there. um, got into rehearsal with my Australian musicians. I took DC Cawthorn from the Ron Keel band and I got into rehearsal with the Australian band. And these guys are absolutely golden, man. Fantastic players and great guys and really excited to work with me. And we've been friends for a while. We've been prepping for this via Skype and online. And and I coached them long distance so that they'd be ready when I hit the ground. And man, they were ready. I walked into that first rehearsal and I didn't have to think about anything. I picked up the mic and I started singing, and uh, the the so the first couple of days the rehearsals were fantastic, and then the accommodations were great. They put me up in this beautiful luxury penthouse apartment in Melbourne, looking out you know, on the forty eighth floor or something. That was great. But then we got. I started asking questions, of course, because hey, what time's the flight tomorrow? And what hotel are we staying at in Brisbane? You know, asking questions and. Nobody had any answers. <laughs> um, and I'm going, well, you know, well, well I guess, you know, this, this so far it's going okay. And I, uh, we got on the plane after the couple rehearsals, we had first gigs in Brisbane and we got on the plane and, and flew from Melbourne to Brisbane, a couple hours flight. And we got there 
me and the guys in the band, and we the only clue we had was the name of the venue. And we didn't have any ground transport. We didn't know what hotel we're staying at. So we, we did not have, normally you get a day sheet, what's called a day sheet, an itinerary that says, mm-hmm. uh, pick you up at the hotel at 10 a.m. Here's your driver's phone number. He will transport you. It's a 20-minute drive to the airport. You Literally, usually, you've got everything spelled out in sequence on a page that you can follow along with your itinerary. And you know the address. You can tell your wife, but your wife, hey, Renee, I'm staying at the Holiday Inn tonight. And here's the number at the hotel if you mm-hmm. need me. Whatever. Um, we had no information. We got to Brisbane and we got a couple of Ubers, one for the gear, one for the guys. And we went to the gig, you know, then we get to the gig and luckily there's some construction going on at this, this club. So we got, we snuck in the back door and there's nobody there. There's no crew. There's no back line. There's no gear. There's no nothing. No boy. And, and we just, well, here we are. Hmm. <laughs> we started calling it. I think our bass player, Ben Webster dubbed the tour. The Amazing Race, because this was what happened the entire time. Now, we did all five shows. I did every show I was scheduled to do, and they were all great. The shows were fantastic. The fans were great, but we dubbed the tour. Ben Webster, I can't say his name proper. Ben Webster. I got to say it with an Aussie accent. He he dubbed the tour. This is like The Amazing Race, the TV show. I'm sure many, many of your listeners are familiar with that, where you go from one place to the next and you collect clues to find out where you're going after that. <laughs> so literally, man, we had no, we were flying blind. But we got done with the gig and we had a fantastic hotel and meals and ground transport the next day. You know, it was fine. So the cowboy in me, was like, yeah, this is cool. This is fun. I don't care where we're going. Just get me there. And I love an adventure. I'm, you know, I've climbed enough mountains to know that you're not going to know every handhold, every foothold, every ledge, every every turn in that path. You got to take it one rock at a time. You got to climb that mountain with your balls and your brains. And that's what we did in Australia. We just went with the flow. And it was not just me and my band. It was the entire entourage. It was Enough's Enough. So Chip's Enough and his band are on the, on the Amazing Race with us. And Janet Gardner from Vixen and her band. So we're all in it together. And everybody had a great attitude. And we had a good time with just going with the flow. And another advantage. I don't know if it's an advantage or what, but... I'm always the guy in charge of all that shit. I'm the guy who has to make sure everybody gets from point A to point B safely, that we have a great show, that every every detail, every plug, every 9-volt battery, every everything, mm. every receipt is accounted for. All the books, and all the plane flights and hotels. This time, I didn't have to worry about any of that. It wasn't my deal. I just get out. If, they, if there's a car, I get in it. I'll go wherever the car takes me. So it was very liberating being able to just let go of all that stuff and enjoy the ride. So we get a couple of shows deep and you know, it's, it's the amazing race. It's absolutely crazy because the promoters are trying to figure out wh- what hotel we're at tomorrow and what time the sound check is and you know, whatever details go into every day's the day-to-day grind when you're on the road. And I start getting the calls from all the other bands because they all know, well, shit, Ron's over there. Let's call Ron. See what's going on. Cause firehouse and, Kip Winger and XYZ, and they're all calling me. 
Well, Ron, what's going on? Is it okay? I said, man, it's fucking great. Are you kidding me? It's a blast. We're having a great time. We're doing gigs. <laughs> we're traveling. We're, you know, we're, it's, it's fantastic. Did you get paid? Oh yeah. I got my deposit, you know, it's, and I kept trying to, I did not sugarcoat it because I'm not going to blow smoke up my friend's asses. You know, these guys, Kip Winger and I have been friends a long time. And Kip and I had a lot of discussions during this time. And he's apprehensive. He's worried that, you know, that maybe the details aren't going to be taken care of. And uh, any of these guys, I mean, when you get a deposit for a gig and you have a contract, mm-hmm. if your contract is not honored to the letter, then you have the legal and moral grounds to back out of that contract and just keep your deposit and say, screw you. You didn't hold up your end of the deal. I'm staying home. Now, I've never done that. Would I do that? Yeah. I, my contract says I get paid before I walk on stage. I'm not waiting till after the gig. That That's a deal breaker. Um, if you don't pay me before the show, I'm not walking on stage. Right. That's just part of the deal because if you go ahead and do the gig – Nine, not nine times out of ten, but there's a good chance or a chance you're going to get screwed. And mm-hmm. this is the policy we have. You know, give me my deposit. I'll get to the gig. Before I do the gig, I'm getting paid. Um, Kip Winger and I had a lot of discussions during the, the course of that three or four day run when I was out there doing the club shows leading up to the festival. And I just said, look, man, you know, there's some red flags. It's a little scary, but I'm having the time of my life. The, the shows are all great. The promoters are great people. And I, I, I am confident that uh, it's going to be okay. And then the band started to drop out one by one. And, oh, no, we're not coming. You know, if you can't tell me what hotel I'm at tomorrow night, I'm not coming. If, yeah. you. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Give me a, give me a sleeping bag. I'll go to the Exxon. I'll go to the gas station. I'll sleep behind the gas station. Not really, but. Uh, you know, I know just, what you're saying. You've, you've got to. You've got to. Not a leap of faith, but man, it's just not that bad. Um, and the bottom line is, I was treated extremely well. I feel bad for the fans that paid mm-hmm. 500 bucks for the three day package. They're going to see what 25 bands, they're going to get the VIP meet and greet, the VIP acoustic performance, this three day experience that they paid for. Now, I'm pretty sure. And I know that the promoters, they could have just disappeared, man. Mm-hmm. These people, uh, Soul Pern Entertainment, Peter Hoff and Peter Naylor, fantastic guys. And I know a lot of promoters in this business that after a debacle like that, they have disappeared. You never hear from them again. They're gone. These guys are still working diligently to make sure all of their customers who want a refund got a refund. And to me, that, that, that speaks to their character and who they are. They're huge fans. They're great guys. They did the best they could. They, and they bit off way more than they can chew. And they probably mortgaged the farm. They probably took their life savings, their trust fund, and their friends and their family's trust funds. <laughs> they probably just <laughs> squandered it all on one rock and roll experience. But man, they paid me and they took really good care of me. And I, like I said, I don't want to get in anybody's business. Whether it's, you know, because all, all these bands are friends of mine, Firehouse, right. and XYZ, and Kip Winger. Kip did show up. Kip took my word, and I I, you know, I did not blow smoke and say, oh, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, come on over to Australia. And I told him, man, there's a few red flags, a little scary, but, man, I'm here, and, you know, I, I'm digging it. And 
then Kip got on the plane and he joined us for the festival in Australia. We had nine bands, a great show, and I, I'm very, very pleased with the attendance. We had I mean, I probably 400 people there, hmm. I think, and you know it could have been it could have been three times that, should have been three times that, but those 400 people were absolutely golden. That Australian audience were some of the sweetest people, and they had waited for me for 25 years, man. Yeah, or thirty-five years for, for God's sake. They, mm. I'd never been there. They, these these fans who bought Right to Rock and Final Frontier back in the eighties had been waiting all this time for their chance to see me, and I had to deliver the goods. And I, I'm really happy with the show we put together, which included all the Keel classics, new music from Fight Like a Band, Black Sabbath, Steeler. I mean, Rock and Roll Outlaw. It was, it, it was a, a one-hour highlight reel of my career moments and songs and the fans seem to enjoy it and appreciate it. In fact, I've got a really cool 10 minute highlight video from the Australian tour on my Patreon page. Mm. Of course, we have to segue to the Patreon <laughs> uh, for, for members only of which you Baco are a loyal Keelaholic member of the Patreon I family. Am. And I appreciate that and more every day, man. I can't keep up with the welcome messages. People are really piling on. We'll get to that in a minute, but, there is a, a great highlight reel from the Australian tour. It's for members only. You know, if you're not a subscriber, you're not going to see it. It's not on YouTube. It's not on Facebook. Uh, like most of what I do these days, it's on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Ron Keel. And that platform for me is really coming into its own at this time because, frankly, everybody's online. Yeah. You know, every, uh, everybody is needs to be entertained, they need to communicate, they need to socialize, and they need to watch cool stuff and hear cool stuff. And then the uh, the Patreon page is exploding, I think, because of this. Now, I don't want to take advantage of everyone's misfortune, but this is a platform that I embraced several years ago mm -hmm. when Renee was diagnosed with cancer. We've talked about this before, and I wanted to figure out a way that I could work from home. And because I didn't know when she got cancer if I would be able to tour or travel or leave leave her side. So I wanted to create something that I could supply my fans with content, whether it's music, unreleased music, new songs, demos, uh, live concerts. You can see concerts from the 80s on through the present day on my Patreon page that you're not going to see on, on YouTube. And so, therefore, now it's it's really taking off because everybody's online. That's the only place they can go to get their entertainment. Back, like back in 1983, the only place we could get it was MTV. So mm. everybody was watching MTV. That's why bands like us, you know, keeled with that Right to Rock video. Uh, you know, you show that on MTV three or four times a day, you know, sell a million records, man, because there's millions of people watching. So I'm extremely excited about the Patreon platform as we continue to add content. I just started the songwriting workshop yesterday where I'm showing people how I write songs. This is my process for creating and cataloging and organizing my creative ideas and capturing musical inspirations and putting them and putting it into a context where you could take my method and maybe write some songs of your own. 
I um I have to admit, first of all, I think it's one of the better Patreons out there when you figure in what you get for the cost of it. You do a great job with it, so there's a plug for it. I, I can tell you firsthand. I don't use it enough, Ron. Honestly, I, I always like, oh, shit, I haven't checked my, what's he got going on now, you know? And then I see all this cool shit that it's like, you know, I get all these emails. We have, it's an email I don't check often enough. It's all for billing. Um, so, but I really did jump right on top of um, the uh, Fight Like a Band tracks without vocals on it. And um, oh, I, yeah. I haven't sent it to you yet, but I did a, uh, it's not the best vocal take of my career, but I, I did a version of, um, uh, I just laid my own vocals on, um, oh shoot, that uh, track four. Uh, Way down. Long way down. I gotta have that. Baco, I, I gotta have that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people seem to really that that was one of the the uh, highlights in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. when I uploaded the instrumental mixes, and people seem to want to sing karaoke. They're singing along. <laughs> they're shooting me videos. Uh, people are sending me studio sessions, like the one you just mentioned. Yeah, I fucking dumped it into Pro Tools and and laid <laughs> down on. That's fantastic. And I'll probably. Very soon, maybe this week, I will upload the Metal Cowboy instrumental tracks because I know that we've got some fans that want to sing some of those, just like Tennessee or Cowboy Road or Wild Forever. And how about we do a mix without any guitar solos and let all the guitar players, because we've got a ton of guitar players Mm -hmm. on my Patreon. Uh, We're doing online guitar coaching and for $6.99 a month, Mm $6.99, I'm going to give you guitar lessons online. I mean, it does any guitar teacher is going to charge you 20, 40 bucks an hour. This is six ninety nine a month, and I'll get you on the Skype, and I'll show you stuff. I will help you. Every student that I've got, I think I'm able to offer them some practical advice on practicing, 
uh, work regimen, hand control, being just master, not mastering the instrument because I'm not a master. I'm a bastard, <laughs> but I, I, I have this, you know, what, 50 something years I've been playing guitar. I've got these tricks and methods and procedures that I can pass on to, to our students online mm-hmm. for $6 and 99 cents a month. I'm going to teach you how to play guitar, write songs and share with you a lifetime's worth of audio video, the audio book, uh, a Patreon exclusive videos, like just like Tennessee. And this thing was expensive, man. You know, the, if you've seen, have you seen the Just Like Tennessee video, Bob? No, that was one of the things I saw that I missed. Yeah. I mean, it's all there. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll yeah. crack out on the uh, Ron Keel Patreon for a couple right, hours no, that, one day. That, uh, that, that music video, we shot that in 2014, right after the album came out. Hmm. Went to, on location in New Mexico to all these beautiful locations, did a you know, very expensive operation to, to, to shoot that and, and get that footage. And then I moved to South Dakota to be the band leader for the Badlands House Band, and that got put on a shelf. And the footage sat there for those years. And you know, for Patreon members and customers, we finished that video, put it together, edited it, uh, and it's it's it's. I'm very proud of it. So let's put it that way. But it's not on YouTube. It's not on Facebook. It's not on RonKeel.com. If if you're not a member, you're not going to see it. And that that's the toughest part of the Patreon experience for me because the urge for all of us <laughs> as musicians and creators is to share everything we do with everyone. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, you, you write a song, you want the world to hear it. If you shoot a music video, you want the world to see it. But part of that experience is the, the fact is, man, there's all of these people and we're all working for free. We're, and I'm not going to do that. I, I, that's the American way. It's capitalism. I'm sorry if you don't want to pay. If you don't want to buy a ticket to my show, stay home. If you don't yeah. want to buy my record, that's cool. But everybody thinks they can get all of their entertainment free from Spotify and YouTube, and both of those platforms can kiss my ass because, <laughs> I, man, I, I tell you, and I just saw my buddy Vinny Apice, who is one of the great rock and roll yeah. Hall of Fame quality drummers of all time, posting on Facebook about his three cent. Royalty check. This is no joke, man. All of us oh, I, I, have gotten multiple royalty checks throughout our career for less than a nickel. Mm-hmm. And man, and that I, I see my Spotify royalties. Embarrassing. And it's a heartbreaker. Absolutely. When, keep you shove your fourteen cents up your ass and, and you know, give me my music back. I'm sorry. I don't mean. You know, I want to entertain people. I want to sing and play and I'll do it for free all day long around a campfire or a bar stool somewhere. You know, I, I, I love entertaining people and singing and playing, but this is my job too. And nobody's going to come over here and mow my lawn for free. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, just because you got a lawnmower. You might might be able to convince me to do it for you, Ron. Hey, man. Yeah, well, when the hot tub needs to be uh, serviced, uh, come on over. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Nobody's going to do that. They're going to charge me 700 bucks. There's a euphemism there. Damn hot tub. Why? It's just because we're entertainers. And, yeah, you can get it for free. You can go to YouTube. You can go to Spotify, Facebook, whatever. And, man, that's one one of the uh, unfortunate or maybe, I don't know if it's fortunate or not, but man, can, have you seen every hack with an iPhone doing Facebook Live? Yeah. Uh, oh my God. And I accidentally click on them sometimes. Uh, there was a guy 
just yesterday, he's on the radio. He's broadcasting his radio show on Facebook Live. And I accidentally clicked on it, and he's looking at a screen. He's not even talking. He's looking at a screen. It's a it's a Facebook Live, but he's just sitting there. It's like a security a camera. And then ten seconds later, he goes, um. That's all he said. Was, um, then, come on, dude. Who's got time or who wants to see that shit? I mean, I applaud the because everybody's a star. Everybody has their their opportunity on Facebook to to go on there and and set up the little karaoke machine and the little yeah. light show behind them. And, and, and some of them are well, most of them are really bad. A couple <laughs> of them are really good, but man, you know, I and I. I applaud anybody who shares creative content with people because of that, just the desire to sing or play. And I get that, man. I have a strong desire to sing and play. In fact, starting this weekend, I'm going to be doing some house calls and some of the Patreon subscribers and friends in Sioux Falls I'm going to go, shh, don't tell anybody this. this is, you're not going to broadcast this, right? Uh, if you want me to cut it out, I can, but it's not coming out for a couple of weeks. So No, it's cool. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm going to go and take the truck and the guitar and a portable speaker, and I'm going to pull up in their driveway, and I'm going to sing a play. Nice. And, yeah, that's, that is free. You can get that shit for free. You're not going to get my videos and my audio and my downloads and all that <laughs> other stuff. But, man, I, I, I'm looking forward to making some house calls, as you may have seen. Or you probably didn't see yet, but you will. The other day, we, uh, you know, I had this Patreon subscriber, uh, Alan A.J. Doherty. He's a sweet dude, man, really nice guy. And he had been mentioning on Facebook, man, I wish I had a guitar. I'd love to learn to play and sit around the campfire. And, you know, I wish I had a guitar. I can't afford a guitar. And, you know, I, we drove 317 miles. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Those 324 miles, I think it was. Just uh, last weekend, I think I saw you post on that. Yeah, yeah. We, we, Renee and I, I, I grabbed one of the guitars I had laying around the house. Happens to be the guitar I used for the Just Like Tennessee music video. Okay. I grabbed the guitar, Renee, and the bird, and we we <laughs> drove literally 167 miles north, 167 miles one way. Surprised him. I put the guitar in his, you know, by his front porch and honked the horn. And he walks out. Now, that cost me a day of my life, a guitar, and you know, the, the expense. It was fuel is dirt cheap now on, yeah. on, on the bright side. That's priceless, man. I'll do that for free every fucking day of my life uh, to do something nice for people, to make a difference in their lives. Man, I'm all about that. But I'm not going to work for you for free. You're not going to come to my house and lay carpet for free. You're not going to change the oil in my truck for free. Everybody's got a job, and everybody's got a price. I've got a job, and I've got a price. Uh, we, I've been harping on that on this podcast. I think since we started, there's got a. We have to figure out a way to get some of that streaming money to the artists. Um, I'm tired of the, the the services and the labels pointing fingers at each other. The reality is, the money's there. Um, th- it is ridiculous. And if you care about music, you, you should play a role and and if you use this stuff use it to check stuff out and then buy it um that's that's been my standard like yeah yeah the whole podcast thing that is a, a topic that i haven't been able to address with with you or any of my fellow podcasters now 
you use music in your podcast, or mm-hmm. you did, right? Yeah. Um, Spotify kind of they jerked all the shows off that used music. Um, yeah, because I, I saw I saw that, and I have I, I'm a fan. I listen to your show, but I know the different platforms: Spotify, iTunes, things like that. Uh, they 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 have cracked down on that, and there's been times when I've signed a waiver for mm-hmm. podcasters to give them permission to broadcast my music but how does spotify or itunes know that i signed that waiver and gave yeah. me permission to play my stuff so it gets sticky it. it is um and yeah. using the unlicensed music is a double-edged sword because it does you know it does give the artist exposure but it is property that you can't use without my permission. Mm-hmm. It's like my front yard. You can't come pitch a tent in my front yard and just sleep <laughs> if you want to. That's my yard. Yeah, now it's my property. Now, if I give you permission to use my property to pitch your tent and sleep spend the night, then that's cool. But it's property, and so many people don't see it as such. Now, YouTube, what is up with that? You could put anything. It, there's people that have my entire albums. You can go to YouTube. Yeah, I guarantee you can find any album I've ever done on YouTube yeah. and listen to the whole thing top to bottom without permission. Uh, there's bootleg T-shirts everywhere, man. You go on eBay. You get some really cool Ron Keel and Keel swag. But And there's nothing we can do about it. There's absolutely there's people are making, and I don't know how much money they're making, but they're using our property to generate revenue. And we're not going to ever see anything from it. And, you know, it's always been the case. It was that way back in the 80s when our T-shirt guy, half their job, they'd sell T-shirts at the gigs, but the other half of the job was chasing down bootleggers. You know, they would Mm -hmm. literally, they would run through the parking lots. And if you had (laughs) like, we've got, I've got a great collection of bootleg shirts. I've got a, I've got a bootleg shirt from the Dio tour. Or they spelled my name wrong. It's Keel, K E E L E. Man, if you're gonna boot like my shit, can you at least spell my name right? Come on, man. So, but uh, I digress. I don't even remember what we're talking about. Uh, I just enjoy we, the conversations really, with yeah. you. Yeah, no, I always love talking to you, Ron. Um, well, let's talk about the. You know, hey, I had a real quick question on Metal Cowboy. Or uh, yeah, Metal Cowboy record. I picked that up on vinyl. I don't know, a couple years ago. I, I always wanted to bring up the three chord drinking song because that was clearly not tracked traditionally. Now. It, it, Am I right that basically it sounds like it was it was a live recording with almost an overhead mic of some sort? How was that? That is correct. Okay. And by the way, you can watch that entire session <laughs> on guess where <laughs> patreon.com slash Ron Keel. There is it's a Patreon exclusive video of the recording session where we cut that song. Now, I used to always, you know, for years make a joke about, you know, man, I've made a living singing three-chord drinking songs, you know, whether it's rock, metal, or country, they're, they're all three-chord drinking songs. Every, every one of them. There might be four or five chords, and actually in that song, there are four chords, but um, <laughs> I, I always made a joke about that and said, one of these days, I'm going to write a song, and I'm going to call it the three-chord drinking song. I like that old-time country music. Just give me three A 
good song is like a gift from heaven. So thank God I know what you mean. Now let's crank it up to 11. Play a redneck symphony. This is my three chord drinking song. I'm making up as I go along. Everybody sing along with my three chord drinking song. And the uh, inspiration behind actually cutting the track was, here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in the studio, invite some friends, and I'm going to do the song live for the first time ever. And I'm not even going to finish writing it. I'm going to make it up as I go along because that's part of the, mm-hmm. the charm of it. Um, and I had, so I had not finished the lyrics and I'm not good impromptu on the spot. I'm uh, I'm a guy who likes to rehearse and prepare okay. <laughs> and all that. So, um, But this was a special occasion, a special tune, and I had never sung it. I hadn't finished writing it. And I invited Brent Muscat from Pastor Pussycat, Zach Throne, who's now in Bruce Keeley's band, and uh, Rob Cornway from Raging Slab. These guys were the Sin City Sinners. And friends oh, of mine, right. we all... Gig, gig together out in Vegas. Yep. And I invited them in to the session. They had not heard the song. In fact, nobody had heard the song. I hadn't even heard the song because I'd never rehearsed it or finished writing it. And we put up one mic, one overhead mic, old school, like the, the old Sun Sessions yeah. with Elvis or whatever. And we just launched into the tune and literally improvised, made it up as we go along. And uh, that's part of the charm of it. It's first take, the only take, and the, the first time the song had ever been played, performed, or literally, you're writing the song as the tape machine, or not <laughs> tape, but as the, as the recording is 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 going. So that's part of the charm of it, and I mean that, that song always works. I tell you, I do it. I get people in the audience yelling at me, "Break our drinking song." It, it, it always works and we never i've never rehearsed it i do it with rkb sometimes or i do it at a, at a solo acoustic gig and it's always different and the lyrics are always different and the arrangement's always different because i'm literally just making it up as i go along and it's part of the charm of it and you get the whole audience going this is my three chord drinking song all these metalheads or, or anybody rednecks and Rockers, they all sing along. It's a great, it's a great bar anthem. I mean, honestly, <laughs> uh, well, South by South Dakota. First of all, I love the name. Um, <laughs> well, you're you're really good at that for one thing. But uh, it was it does it is the perfect name for the record. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um, it comes out on April 24th. Now you're no longer on EMP Records. Was there? Uh, I, I was it just like the contract was up and this uh, um, high volume came in or. <sighs> That's a good question, Baco. I almost call you Jason. That, keep your your secret good. identity. Yeah. <laughs> your, I don't get confused. Yeah, I'll know who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. And, you know, just I, I would like to leave it at it was time to move on. Okay. Uh, and we're very happy for the opportunity that David Ellison and Tom Hazard at EMP provided us. And we're very happy to have moved on to a situation now with Bill Chavis and Highball Music, 
that, you know, Bill and I have been friends for 20 years. Hmm. We've developed a really strong bond over the past two decades as we've watched each other grow and evolve. And it was just the right time to become business partners. And it's the, it's the best spot for us, let's put it that way. Um, I don't want to say disparaging remarks about because David Ellison is a great guy and a longtime friend okay. of mine. I, I didn't know. I wasn't trying to get any dirt there. I just... Uh, yeah. I, well, I've got dirt. I'm just not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give it to you. I got so much dirt. Damn it, Paco. Uh, but I can't give you the dirt because I always got to take the high road. Yeah, nice guys, it's a business, man. Right thing, uh, because the, the fact is they gave us an opportunity and the product is fantastic. The vinyl editions of Fight Like a Band and Metal Cowboy are beautiful mm-hmm. and uh, very thankful for the opportunity. But uh, I've got to keep moving the ball down the field, man. I've got to, I've got to find a way to continue to raise the bar, continue to elevate the profile of, of Ron Keel and the Ron Keel band. I've got to make those tough decisions and, and big moves that mm-hmm. I feel are right for my career at this stage of the game. What about um, a new studio album as far as all original music? Is there any, are, are you guys, I know nobody's working on much right now, but is there, is there something on the horizon maybe? Well, I'm always going to record, write, create, and release music all my entire life. Okay. And now it's a perfect time. We are uh, literally bouncing around riffs and lyrics and titles and phrases and uh, enjoying this opportunity to be creative Unfortunately, we can't all get in the same room, and that's where the magic really happens. Yeah. Uh, sending, you know, and a lot of people do this these days, send, send ideas via the internet, and the guitar player will send riffs, and I'll send riffs, and everybody will send piano licks. And, you know, just, but the, the real magic with Fight Like a Band happened when we all came together in my basement with uh you know just sat around and, and created together and there's there's no substitute for that i think you could probably do it online or via skype or zoom or whatever and we'll probably try that actually we're we're talking talked about having some band meetings or rehearsals via the internet or some of these platforms like zoom i think we'll try it and we'll see how it works yeah in the meantime, yeah, I'm locked in the basement. I'm pacing as we speak. I'm, I'm <laughs> literally pacing through the basement in a, in a forest of guitars. There's, mm-hmm. you know, they're everywhere. They're everywhere, and uh, I'm creating and writing. And at some point in the next month, I'm going to unplug for a week. I lock myself down here, and there's going to be no radio show, no phone calls, no interviews, no promotion, no nothing except me and my music. And I'm going to spend a week cataloging pouring through my ideas creating just expressing myself and i'll probably record some of those songwriting sessions for my songwriting workshop at patreon.com slash rod keel <laughs> <laughs> so that you could see the process and how i create right uh, yes but to get back to your question there we we are contracted to record and release a new studio album cool. for highball music in 2021 and I hope to uh, hope to honor that agreement. I'd like to I'd like to fulfill my end of the deal. Um, well, uh, before I let you go, I did at least want to mention it is the 35th anniversary of the Right to Rock. Um, I 
dude, I don't think I ever told you, but I actually had a bootleg CD of that before that was ever pressed on CD. That and it cost me like fifty dollars. Um, wow, this was like a lot of money back in nineteen eighty five. Yeah, I got it in ninety one, ninety two, something like that. So yeah. this is back when like a blank CD one cost like fifteen or sixteen bucks. And a guy um, who worked at a local record store, he actually took my vinyl um, and he had a, he had a setup at home, and he some you can actually hear the needle in the grooves because wow. uh, he took it off of that. But uh, and I still have it. Um, I have it. I'll give you fifty bucks for that. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I'll give it to you for Christmas. Um, no, but and uh, we okay, actually I've got a few, I've got a few right to rock CDs, but I don't have one with that kind of history. No, no, I just thought I'd share that. I don't. I think it's a kind of a neat story because it's it's that way too awesome. much to pay for it. Because you know, eventually it did come out on CD, and I have a a, a bona fide copy of it as well. But um, uh, but yeah, you know that that album kind of changed your life for the most part, right? Put you on the trajectory you're at. Yeah, that that was a game changer for me in every possible way. Your first major label release, I mean, that's something that you you aspire to and work hard for, you know, for years. As a teenager on the road, on the streets, I was 23 when it came out, but actually, I was 24. 23 when we got signed, 24 when the album came out, but it felt like I'd spent a long, hard decade from the time I was 14 in my first rock bands till the time I was 24 releasing that, that album with Gene Simmons producing, uh, you know, my, one of my all time heroes, uh, who seven years prior to that, I was the kid in the front row getting spit and blood and, you know, feeling the heat of his flames in my face, being a huge kiss fan to seven years later, I'm, I'm sitting next to him in the studio recording mm-hmm. what would become, a career song for me, right to the right to rock, which is you know probably certainly one of the best, if not the best, song titles that I've ever come up with. And the song that accompanies it, the music, the lyrics, the message, has become the anthem of my life and my career. And it's been a rallying point through even the country years, Baca, when mm-hmm. people would give me shit about you're singing country music. Oh man, I got the right to rock. The right to rock is all about freedom of expression. Yeah. And how can you expect me to come up with a song like the right to rock and sing it and be proud of it and and live it and, and back it up without following my creative path, wherever it might lead expressing myself in any way I choose, whether it's through painting or art or singing or play. No, I don't paint, but that's it's that's a metaphor. Uh, the the fact that I create stuff. Look out, Paul Stanley. Well, no, no, Paul has nothing to worry about. I do not paint. <laughs> I do have some artistic crafts that I enjoy on my own time. <laughs> but the, the 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 bottom line is the the freedom to create, to write, to express yourself. In any shape or form, that's what the right to rock is about. That's what that message, that's what that means. It's the right to express yourself. <laughs> and Gene looked at me at that time when we were cutting that record, and he looked at me and says, you know, you're going to be singing this song the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. I go, okay, cool. And I am. Yeah. And I still am. And I always will be. Uh, I hope that I can always at least hit the high A, you know, that, that, that first scream. Okay. Uh, 
I hope that I can always hit the high notes, and but that, that doesn't last forever. But I, at least ten more years, I'll be, I'll be hitting that high note. I, I think I'm in good shape. But uh, and the fact that it got my career, it kickstarted. I literally, the album sold ninety thousand copies the first week, which today would be platinum. I mean, today yeah. you'd be number one. You sell thirty thousand now, you're number one in the charts. Back then, that, that album sold 90,000 albums the first week. And all of a sudden, A&M Records, our label, this is happening. You know, this, yeah. is, this is hot. This is a hot product. So they started giving us tour support and promotional money. And we, we had you know, Gene Simmons' name. And I do credit the KISS fans, the KISS Army, for kickstarting my career in 1985 because Gene produced the record. The Kiss fans embraced it, and you know it, it, it was it, that was not why I wanted to work with Gene. And I've said this over and over again in countless interviews. I chose Gene, or I, I I expressed interest in working with Gene because I was a huge fan. But he was the only guy on that list of potential producers who was also a musician, a songwriter, a singer, a performer, somebody that I could relate to and identify with, and that's. That was the reason his name popped off the the list when I was presented with, here's all the people that are interested in producing you. Who would you like to talk to? And Gene, man, hook it up. And the fact that I, you know, I can't take credit for that being a brilliant business decision because it was a purely artistic and creative decision, but it turned out to be brilliant because all the Kiss Army embraced us and made us part of that family and part of that tapestry of the huge the huge tapestry that is kiss i'm one little bitty thread on the bottom of the you know the, the <laughs> edge but but i'm still part of that tapestry and certainly a lifelong debt of gratitude to gene simmons and the kiss army for making me part of the family for for uh giving me that kickstart 35 years ago that I is still it still fuels my engine to this day. Well, let me just say this: you're welcome, Ron. <laughs> Thank you, Baco, and you and all the others. I know that uh, you and I certainly share our, our deep uh, affinity and admiration and enjoyment of the hottest band in the land. Yeah, they'll, they'll always be my band. Um, you know, I, I I can have my opinions on what they're doing now, but you know what? It, that doesn't really matter as much. They're, they'll always be. I, I still binge out on Kiss. I, hey, I played rock and roll over yesterday, so. Right on. Well, right now, they're doing the same thing we're all doing. Yeah. Have they canceled their tour yet or postponed their tour yet? Um, they still I don't think anything's <laughs> been canceled yet. The, the, they canceled the last three shows of the leg they were on, but... Um, yeah, it, uh, they're like everybody else, man, stuck at home. But, uh, well, hey, I, I also wanted to mention you are now tied with Michael Sweet um, uh, with being the, the only four-time guest on this show. So uh, congr- wow. congratulations. I know that's a big, big achievement for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll get, I got a plaque uh, made up for you. I'll make sure I send it out there to South Dakota. That is an honor. And, you know, <laughs> I, I love what you guys do. I appreciate our friendship, your support. You guys have a great product and a a great platform. The uh, the podcast is fantastic. And through that relationship, we've also become friends, and mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for that as well. Yeah, me too, man. I, I, it's a, it, it really uh, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing to, to the 15-year-old me that still is, sits in my brain somehow that uh, you know I, I can actually shoot you a text and just see how things are going. You know what I mean? 
Uh, right on. Well, I appreciate the support. I will send you a download of the South by South Dakota album, so you'll get it first. Okay. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on the show, and I'm looking forward to the fifth time. Yeah, right on. We'll definitely have you back. So, um, and hopefully, if, if if shows do happen this summer, um, I know our summer vacation plans are pretty much shot. So maybe a road trip to see Ron Keels in the the deck. You know, you you usually have a couple shows within a five six hour drive of my house. So yeah, you never know, man. I might show up in your driveway. Might make a house call <laughs> to the pocket, especially now that I know you have a hot tub. I might be coming on over. I'll bring my floaties with me and my uh, guitar. I might have elaborated um, we'll on, our- on the hot tub thing. <laughs> Keep our social distance. Or you can just you can just set up one of them kiddie pools in the front yard and fill oh, the hot water. Right on, yeah, and then we can entertain the neighbors too. Give them some some eye candy. <laughs> oh man, that would be classic. We got to get that on video. I'm on my way. I'll see you in five hours. All right, man. Yeah, I should be home by then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Give my love to Amy, and I appreciate you, brother. I'll talk to you again soon. All the best, Ron. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy Bye. to hear everybody's good on your end. Stay safe. You too.
taxes and gave our lives to serve this great country. So what are they complaining about? Yeah, we love our families. We love our kids. You know it's love that makes us all so rich. That's where we're at. If they don't like it, they can just get the head. I'm interviewing you now for your podcast. Mm. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 